This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. And so, <clears throat> questions and answers are better than sermons because they address your specific need. And so, I think we should give more time to questions and answers and less time to preaching. Um, should we start with questions or start with the talk and then stop early? I don't know. Do you have a coin? <laughs> Okay, so <clears throat> people think that even if they try to serve, they have no success, and they are absolutely wrong. Success is not measured in how many people you take to church or baptize. Jesus, according to that measurement, that criteria, never saved anybody. He never baptized anybody, never took anybody to church. We measure success based on our pride and based on our criteria. Success is measured in relationship with God and people. Not, you should not monitor results. You should not be concerned with results. Let God take care of results. Fruits don't worry about producing, trees don't worry about producing fruits. Trees never worry. Light never worries about lighting. You follow me? Salt never worries about salting. You just need to worry about relationship and God will take care of the fruits. <clears throat> and so, when people say to me, I cannot give a Bible study, I don't know how to do it. They say, I'm selfish and proud. Because if they say, I don't know how to do it, there are only two options. Either they are too busy with self, job, whatever, Satan would give it to you to keep you in bondage. Or they are afraid they will not succeed. Who cares if you don't succeed? If you care, it means you are proud. Don't look for results. If you lose or succeed, just keep serving and leave it up to God. Oh, what would people say if I don't preach right? Who cares what people say? Do you try to please people or what? Do you follow me? Keep serving and let what people say and the results up to God. And so, <clears throat> moreover, people don't respond as they hear it first time. When they, you see them responding, that's after the second or third or fourth time average. They say, that do Barna and all those that do research, that after third time, like onion, people are like onion. Onion, you don't plant and eat onion. You plant onion and it gives you something that has many seeds. You plant the seeds and it gives you small onions. And you plant small onions and third year you get real onion. It produces every three years. Did you know that? Don't you? Well, you need to learn agriculture. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the same with the gospel. You do evangelism, people hear it and do nothing. And then they get some Bible studies and they do nothing. And you think you failed. But if you do evangelism as a lifestyle, not as an event, you keep doing it regardless if they respond or not because you don't do it for results. You do it because that's what you do. You keep breathing and you keep preaching. 
and you keep leaving it. Third time they hear it, they react. So if you want them to have a chance, you need to keep working with them. You want to change a church. You go, nobody changes, you get discouraged, give up. You need to keep doing it regardless because after about four years and a half, five years, average, Barna says, a church would change. You just need to keep working. Don't look for results. God called you to work. Results belong to him. You just keep serving. You follow me? Oh, my master is late. I'm going to stop feeding the others. Keep feeding. It's not your business when the master comes. Your business is to feed the servants. You follow me? Let God do his job and you do your job. And so, I had somebody come to me and say, that works in a middle society neighborhood. But where I live, there are only millionaires. They don't need Christ. Do you agree? Millionaires need Christ. Poor people need Christ. Millionaires have kids that take drugs. Millionaires have wives that leave them. Leave them. Millionaires have cancer. Everybody needs Christ. Everybody has problems. Everybody needs salvation. Everybody needs relationship. Do you follow me? In fact, many times those people are more, more miserable than somebody in Cuba. I was in Cuba. Story in the story. I was in Cuba and the lady brought to evangelism. You heard the story if you listened to my sermons. Every night, 150 kids more or less. I said, what do you do? You threaten them, you kill them, you have a gun. How do you get them to church? 150 kids, 170, 180, one night close to 200 kids. What do you do to bring so many kids to church? And she says, it's not about what you do, it's about who you are. I said, okay, who are you that they come to church? And they said, well, it's not about who I am. It's about who I have. <laughs> I said, come on, answer the question. <laughs> How do these kids get to church? Oh, come and watch. You cannot explain it in words. You must see it. I said, this lady is crazy. <laughs> so I said, okay, I come. When? Tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Okay. Give me a break. So I took the local pastor tomorrow afternoon, 2 o'clock, we went to her house. We went to her house like 15 minutes before 2 o'clock. She had a little house, one room house, that was as big as this stage or smaller, smaller than my, certainly my walk-in closet. And in that little house that was covered with some broken steel, many chaotically put one over the other one so it doesn't rain in the house. In that little house, there were, in the left side, a bunk bed that had three levels for her oldest daughter, middle daughter, and youngest boy. On the other side, a bunk bed that had two levels for the parents and grandparents. Between the two beds, if you are big, I, I didn't say fat, I said big. If you are big, you could not walk except sideways. The beds were so close to each other. And as soon as you would get outside from the, from in between the beds, in the left side was a camping stove. And in the right side, a little round three legs handmade table. I've seen that when I was a baby at my great grandmother's countryside. She had a round table, 
handmade with three legs. It was funny to even see it, you know. Anyway, and that was all she had. And she, she was happy. Can you believe that? And I have three refrigerators and three freezers packed that every once in a while you have to throw what is expired. And I say, we have no potatoes. We have no oil. And I'm not happy, you know. She was happy like a Muppet. You know Muppets? They have the mouth all the way to the ears. You know? She was like happy. And uh, I was wondering, why is she so happy, you know? She was talking positive all the time. By the way, happiness is a choice. It's not how much you have, it's what you look for. Do you look for blessings? You count your blessings or you count your troubles? That's all. You fix your eyes on Christ or you fix your eyes on giants? That's happiness. You look for giants, Jericho will never come down. You look for Christ, walls will come down before you even touch them. You don't have to fight the walls. And so... As I was talking to her, kids started to come. And she said, these kids, none of their parents have a job. I do. They have no food. I have. And she said, I make $14 a month. And she said, I cannot give them everything, but I can get rice and bananas. And she asked them to sit down in front of the house on dirt, a little fence that was from here to the door, like square. And then she said, do you have the papers signed by the parents? And they showed the papers. And I said, what papers? And she said, well, I need to make sure that they listen. Because kids, when they are many, they talk, they don't listen. And I need to make sure that they listen. And I need to make sure that they tell the parents so I can also preach the gospel to the parents. So what I do, I tell them a Bible story. And I tell them, if you don't listen, tomorrow you don't eat. Basically, you need to remember the story when you go home to tell the story to your parents and have them sign on this paper that you knew the story. And if you have the paper signed, you eat again tomorrow. That's smart. <laughs> and they said, we have the papers. He said, okay, everybody sit down. Now we pray. They ate rice and banana. And while they were eating, Nobody was talking because if they talk, they don't hear the story. If they don't hear the story, the parents don't sign. And so everybody was listening. She told them about, I don't even remember, Daniels in the lion's den or whatever, whatever. And, and I said, how do you feed 150 kids with $14 a month? She said, I am blessed. I have $14 a month. They don't. Do you see yourself blessed? She says when we complain, Ellen White, we offend God. How many times do you complain? By the way, there is a quote where she says, when we complain, we complain against God. When you complain against anybody, your boss, your spouse, your kids, whatever, you complain against God. Let me tell you why. Because nothing, 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 Happens by chance. But all, all things work together. Job, he lost everything, including his kids and his health, in one day. And he didn't complain. Because nothing happens by chance. God is not asleep. 
God knows everything. And if God says no, it doesn't happen. And if it happened, it means God allowed it. If God allowed it, you need it. Stop solving it. When you ask God to solve it, you ask him to remove what he sent to begin with. Instead of trying to solve it when and going against God, you should rather pray that you learn the lesson. Whatever reason he allowed it for. He allows trials for several reasons that we don't know. And instead of finding out the reason, we try to solve the trial. Find out the reason. Why did he allow it? You may need to learn faith. You may need to learn patience. You may need to learn humbleness. You may need to learn surrender. Whatever you miss that you can serve and save and be saved. Because as you save others, only as you save others, you grow. If you don't save, you don't grow. You are never ready for heaven. Only God doesn't need you. But you need it. Because as you save others, you grow. And so, if God allowed it, you need it. Stop solving it. And back to her. She said, I am blessed. I have no problems. I said, don't tell me that you don't have problems. Everybody has problems. And she says, honey, that's when you look to problems. When you look to Christ, you have no problems. They fade. And she says, don't you know the song, Keep Your Eyes Upon Jesus? What a lesson. Because we do sing the song, but we have no clue what we say when we sing. We don't even think about the words. And songs, Ellen White says, are prayer. Oh, we check our text messages when we sing. As in prayer, you can send a text message. Crazy. Anyway. And so, she said to me, I'm happy. And I said, why? I am blessed. I said, how? She says, don't you see them, how happy they are when they eat? To be blessed when you can see others happy. To measure blessings not as what happens to you, but as how happy are those around you. Nobody prays a right asking a blessing for self. You remember the quote? God never intended to give you blessings for self. When he told Abraham, I will bless you, he didn't say, I will bless you. Read carefully. I will bless you so that, so that you can be a blessing for all nations. God blesses you so that you can use that blessing and become a channel of blessings and bless others. Not for you. And to the extent that you bless others, you are happy and blessed. Do you follow? And so she said, I'm happy. I am blessed. I said, how? I have no problem. I said, everybody does. She says, no. It depends where you look. Keep your eyes on Jesus and keep your eyes on the blessings. I said, show me. She said, look around. You see how happy these kids are when they eat? It makes me smile. It, it just gets my heart. I feel like rejoicing. When you see that you can make an impact in somebody's life and save somebody or help somebody, that gives you the real joy because it's a greater blessing to bless than to be blessed. Amen. Do you follow? God called you to be blessings, not to be blessed. It is Satan's character to focus on self. It is God's character to sacrifice self and focus on salvation for others and helping others and serving others. We are called to sacrifice self. We are not called to be blessed. Stop looking for blessings. You'll never get it. 
In fact, Jacob, as long as he wanted a blessing, he never, though his father said, you are blessed, he never was blessed, never had peace. Until when he was 60 years old, when in that night he was fighting a stranger without realizing that he was fighting God. And that's what we do. We so many times fight, we think we find enemies and we fight God that sent that trial. And when he fully surrendered and gave it all up, then God blessed him and made him a blessing for all nations. And then he didn't have to fight his brother. That night, God showed in a dream to his brother and said, don't touch him. Because when you surrender, God fights your fights, your battles. And so the lady said, I am blessed. Because I can see them happy and blessed. So I said to my church member, you remember the first story? Millionaires. He says, I live in a rich neighborhood. Those people don't need Christ. I said, everybody needs Christ, poor and rich. Everybody needs a blessing. Everybody is looking for help. Everybody needs Jesus. You just don't know what to do. And I told him about that lady. I said, you, you need to know what to do. She knew that she has to give them rice in order to teach them Bible stories. You need to see what you need to give them that they need so they can answer. Because after you serve them, they are willing to answer. Nobody can save a stranger, only a friend. Your goal is not to teach them doctrines. Your goal is to build relationships. Only after you gain their trust, they are willing to listen to you. You never lead a stranger to Christ. You can lead only a friend that trusts you. Christ's method alone. He first served them, ate with them, healed them, spent time with them, won their friendship and trust. And then he said, follow me. Ministry of healing. You remember the quote, don't you? And so, I told him, you need to win their friendship. Stop making them Adventists and they become just like you. <laughs> Make them friends. Well, they don't need anything. Everybody needs something. Pray. He said, what to pray for? Ask God what to pray for. Don't ask me. <laughs> we never pray right because we pray what we think we need to pray for and we don't need what we need. We need what we don't even know that we need. That's the reason he says in Romans that the Holy Spirit has to work because we don't even know what to pray. But in Greek says we don't know what to ask. And the Lenoi says we should ask God what to ask before we ask it. Pray for what to pray before you pray for what you pray. Pray for what to pray before you pray it. Do you, do you follow me? Pray for what God wants you to pray, not for what you think that you should pray. You may find yourself thinking that you pray right, actually that you pray wrong. And so, I told him, pray that God tells you what to do for those people, not that God makes them Adventist. Pray that you can serve them. He said, okay, how long should I pray? I said, very simple, until you get an answer. Well, you told us in the church that we should not pester God to death with our request. Yes, I did say that when you pray for a house or for a car. You need to be able, somewhere in the middle of the prayer, to say, nevertheless, may your will. When you keep, please give it to me, please, I need this job, please, please, please. It's your will. When you say God's will, after you present the need, you then say, nevertheless, do what you want, not what I ask, and help me accept it joyfully. As Jesus said in the garden, take the cup, nevertheless, may your will. And you need to mean it. Therefore, after you say that, you leave it alone. Because if you keep pushing it, it means that it's your will. 
Do you follow me? So I said, yes, you do present your needs, but you also leave room for God's will. But when you pray for somebody's salvation, that's different. It's intercessory prayer. That has no limits. You pray intercessory prayer forever, because as long as you pray it, you give God the opportunity to work. Amen. Do you understand how it works? Amen. When you pray petition prayer, you put limits to it. When you pray intercessory prayer, it has no limits. It's a matter of universal justice. God has no right to abuse somebody's choice. Otherwise, Satan would have been right. God would be a tyrant. God gave you freedom of choice. Choose today. And you have the freedom to choose good or evil. That's all you have. You don't have the power to do it. You just have the freedom to choose. And as you make continued choices, you allow God to work based on your choices. Therefore, you need to choose Christ, not daily, but momentarily, every second. You need to continually choose. Every small thing counts. There is nothing too small. Every small decision. Small foxes ruin big vineyards. Small things that you don't even think about. Small daily nonsense, stupid stuff counts for your salvation. Because as you make small decisions, it forms a character that becomes who you are. Small decisions. Every little step you need. Don't take it lightly. You need to pray. Jesus says, I do nothing of myself. What means nothing? He says, I don't speak my own words, only the words that the Father gives me. I don't do my own actions. John 5 and John 8. I don't do my own actions. I do the works of the Father. Elena says that he would pray in the morning until he would receive the plan for the day. You don't do what you want. You ask God for the plan and you say, tell me what to say and when to say it and how to say it. Tell me what to do and when to do it and how to do it. You don't act like Nehemiah goes before the king before answering, he prays. You don't act without God telling you to act. That's the reason we make a mess. Because we depend on impulse, on our wisdom. And she says, our wisdom cannot be relied upon. Do not rely on your wisdom. Because you don't know the future, you don't know the picture. God knows the whole picture. And so, Back to the story. I told him, pray for what God wants you to do and pray as long as it takes because it's intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer, you pray all the time because if that person says no to God, God cannot force that person. But if you say, Lord, help that person know you, God has to work with that person to answer your prayer. So you praying for that person gives God opportunity to keep working with somebody that doesn't need God and says, leave me alone. Do I speak too fast? No. If I do, pray for the gift of tongues. <laughs> I cannot help. I will try to speak slower. Okay. And so, the problem we have is that we don't spend enough time in prayer to understand God's ways, how he works. Time in prayer and time in the world. The more you focus on that, the more you understand God. The more you understand God, the more he can work through you. Do you follow me? And so I told my friend, ask God for what to do and pray it forever because that's intercessory prayer. As long as you pray, it gives God opportunity to work. He started to pray. A month, two, three months later, he called me and said, God inspired me that these people love food. I said, well, Americans love food. They worship food. <laughs> he says, yes, you are right. I said, I know I'm right. I keep looking around. 
And he said, my wife is Greek. I know. They invited me a couple of times over. Man, she cooks. That Mediterranean salad with Kalamata olives, an unhealthy feta cheese, oh, it's good. <laughs> I have water in my mouth. Okay, let's change the subject. And so he said, I'm going to have my wife cook Greek food and invite them over. I said in my mind, invite me too. You know? <laughs> he, he told me, oh, by the way, it's funny. I went to visit him, Crystal Lake, close to Chicago, expensive neighborhood around the lake, two, three, four, five, six million homes. Oh, you see them and you are like, speech, like when you go to the dentist, open mouth. When I, when I, when I got to the gates to in, enter the neighborhood, there was a guy, a Huno let me inside. And I was looking, people came with Mercedes, Porsche, and I was driving a Kia Rio. And my Kia Rio was beaten all over because my father-in-law was hit by a school bus in the right side. My friend backed off in a truck and bent the back. It was all beaten and I didn't replace the brakes and there was a noise. <laughs> and the faster you would go, <laughs> you know? And so when, when, I, when I got to the neighborhood with Kia Rio, the guy was looking to me, he said, you are in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> I said, no, 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 I'm here to visit my church member. Who is that? I told him the name. He calls it. There is a guy, he says he's your pastor. Yeah, let him in. He drives a Kia Rio. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine on those streets between those homes, a Kia Rio. You know, it's a small like Mr. Bean car, you know. You keep your knees in your mouth and, <laughs> and driving between those millions of dollars homes. And so it's, it's funny, but anyway. And so he says to me, God inspired me. I'm going to invite them over and we eat together. And he says, what should I tell them? I said, nothing. You tell them you fail. Just win friendship. But, but, but I need to tell them about God. I said, no. Resist the temptation. <laughs> and it came in my mind and I told him the story from Cuba. I said, you don't need to tell. You need to show. That's what the lady told me. It's not about telling. It's about showing. Living it. I said, don't Tell, just show. Do you follow me? Stop telling. Start showing. Only if you need words, use it. But just try to preach without words. Leave it. Your life should preach it. And so I told him, gain their trust. Gain their friendship. And he said, okay, okay. So he called me like a week later. We did it. We did it. We did it. I said, are you friends? No, not yet. Then you didn't do it yet. You need to do it again. How long? Until you are friends. Oh, these people have no friends. Fix that. <laughs> you need to fix that. He said, I invited them over. I saw a neighbor. We never talk to each other. We say, morning, morning, and that's it. I don't know them. They don't know me. I know nothing about their family or whatever problems. We don't talk. Said, that's the problem. You know. And I said, they need relationship. Everybody. That's the way we are created. And I said, what happened? And he says, I told him, hey, neighbor, it's our anniversary. We have Greek food and ice cream. Come over. Let's eat together. Oh, I don't know. I don't have time. Come on. It's good food. Let me tell you what my wife. When he said, God inspired me to tell him what my wife prepared. 
He said, God inspired me to tell him what he, and I started. My wife prepared this and this and that, and cabbage uh, and, and rolls that were in grape leaves that, I don't know how to call them, grape leaves rolls. Oh, crazy, they are so good. You can eat until you die. Anyway, <laughs> and so he said, I told him I described what my wife prepared, and as I was describing, he left the car. He said, I'm coming. <laughs> Hypnotized, you know, <laughs> food, food. It's like in, like in cartoons, you know. <laughs> and so he said, he came. And I told him, nobody eats in my house without prayer. He says, I don't believe in God. I don't care. Just close your eyes, wait for a second. Okay, you go ahead and pray. Do I need to close my eyes? Well, it's up to you, but I would recommend that you do. And then he says, what do you want me to pray for? And the neighbor says, I don't care. I don't believe in prayer. Well, I need to pray for something, and I don't want to pray for self. Christians don't pray for self. Tell me what to pray for. He said, well, I don't believe in prayer, but if you want to pray for something, my wife just left me. Pray for my wife. He said, okay. He prayed and then they ate. He said, let's play some games. Oh, I don't know about it. When is last time when you played a game? Oh, when I was young. Oh, come on. Let's play a game and rejoice a little. It's our anniversary. They played a little games and the guy says to him, this is something that I have not done like in 20 years. Isn't it sad the way we live? We work to have money to eat, and we eat to have power to work. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> enjoy life. Enjoy family. Enjoy, you know, what God gave you to enjoy. Praise him for it and enjoy it and share it. Anyway, so he says, he left. And I said, do it again. He said, well, it was wonderful. I said, do it again. He called me again following week. I did it again. I saw him the next Sunday. I said, come over. We have more food. He says, are you okay if I take my wife with me? He says, you said she left you. She came back to pick up some stuff, and she's here today. And I told her about it, and she said to me, you are smiling. I have not seen you smiling in 20 years. Hello. No wonder she left him. I would have killed him. Ah. I would have killed him. <laughs> she said, you are always stressed and busy. Biz business, 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 business. You never have time for me. You never have time for kids. It's the first time when you see you smiling in 20 years. They must have done something good to you. And he says, you want to come with me? She says, okay. What do you do there? We eat. What do we eat? And he says, the neighbor told his wife what to eat, and she came. They both came. I said, keep doing it. Next Sunday, they brought the kids, and they told him, our kids never talk to us. They are ashamed of us. And they saw, Dad, you came home happy. What did you do there? We ate, and we played games. And they said, you crazy? You played games? <laughs> they brought next Sunday the kids, and they all played games. And it's, the gospel brings parents and children together. Malachi, you remember? The hearts of the parents to the kids and the other way around. And they said, we always live in stress. It's the single place where we have no stress when we come here to your house. We have fun. We love, we, we love to move here. He said, no, go back to your house. <laughs> he didn't say that. Anyway. And then, this is the crazy stuff. When you do what is right, God works. Next Sunday, the guy says, 
I have my neighbor that we work together in the same business over to do some business and I told him about you. He wants to come. Can I take the neighbor? <laughs> Eventually, there were 11 millionaire families eating together and he was praying every Sunday for each one of them. And they would share with him that since he started to pray, their family comes together and they feel blessings. And they started to believe in prayer and they asked him what church he goes to. And he said, what should I tell them? I said, don't tell them. What do you mean? I said, tell them, I don't want to tell you. He said, what? I said, be rude. <laughs> I said, you are an Adventist. You have no problem to do that. Are you? Do you? <laughs> to be rude, it's easy. Huh? I said, be rude. He says, what do you mean? Don't tell them. If you tell them, they think that you proselytize. Tell them, I don't. I don't want to talk about religion. He said, really? I said, just refuse it. Just trust me. They said, tell us. What church do you do? I don't want to talk. Oh, come on. Now you think that I'm trying to make you what I be. Now, forget it. Let's eat. Let's have fun. <laughs> oh, come on. Please, we beg you. Well, if you insist. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? Instead of me convincing them, let them beg for it. <laughs> they will never appreciate it unless they are thirsty for it. <laughs> Instead of me convincing them, after they beg for it, give it to them and move on. Let the Holy Spirit convince them. You will never manage to convince them. I told him, when you give it to them, be quick, short, don't insist, don't manipulate, don't try to convince, don't push, just, this is it, bye. We don't believe it, I don't care. <laughs> well, but it's, it's wrong. Well, that's your choice. That's mine, you know, do whatever you want. You do what you want, I do what I want. Your life, my life is... God didn't ask me to manipulate, to convince you. God gave you freedom of choice. I respect that freedom of choice, bye. I told him, just, just tell them to leave you alone. He said, oh, okay. He called me back. You know, when I try to talk to people and to convince them, they argue. When I told them that I don't care, they kept asking questions. I said, yeah, it does. And he said, they want to understand more about what happens to people when they die. I said, don't teach them. Why? They will not believe it. They have been growing with different thoughts, and they are not going to change in a second. Have a DVD, let them watch. Why? Because they will argue with you, but crazy people argue the TV. Normal people don't. <laughs> let them watch it. Let them watch it so they don't argue. If they say, oh, we don't believe it, say, your choice. Let the Holy Spirit convince them, don't you? Yeah. Okay, easy. I said, yep, gospel should be easy. Long story short, two years later, I baptized 46 millionaires. It's wonderful to go to a millionaire's church. You eat good, they drive you in Mercedes. It's just absolutely wonderful, trust me. The gospel should be preached to everybody. When we are not preaching the gospel because, you know, they are not interested. We are wrong. God doesn't have a harvest problem. God has a worker's problem. God says the harvest, plentiful. There are no workers. You think around, oh, nobody to be saved. You are wrong. Do you follow me? And so, basically, for, for instance, for instance, you think about results. You think that God doesn't answer your prayers. You focus on results. That's selfishness. You want to know that you are successful. That's pride. 
There is no honest prayer that goes without an answer. But answers comes in a different way than the way we plan. Therefore, we should not focus on results or success. We should focus on relationship and focus on service. That's your job. Let God deal with the results. For instance, I was in 2003 in Spain, in Madrid, preaching. I preached nine times in one Sabbath. They killed me. <laughs> I had no voice. I was, my, my back was hurting. I was like, if somebody comes and talks to me again, I'm going to kill them. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I need to sit down. I need to rest. I need to close my eyes and be quiet for a second. Just leave me alone. And I was, I was collapsing. And I prayed all night and all day, Lord, please. I left home having so many problems at home. My roof is leaking. My car is broken. My wife doesn't have a car to drive. I left so many things at home. Please let me not come here for nothing. Please let there be results. And there was no results. Nobody came. Nobody said, oh, it moved my heart. Nobody got baptized. Nobody. It was like cold like cucumbers. <laughs> and I was so disappointed and so discouraged. God didn't answer my prayer. Oh, I was not successful. And I left home and I forgot. And that was 2003. This year, 2017. How many years later? Can you believe it? 2003, 2017. This year, in March, I'm in Prague, in Czech Republic, speaking to the leaders of the EUD, the European Division. And the guy, Paolo Benini, from the division, says, I'm going to put you on the spot. I said, hopefully good, not bad. He says, just wait for it. I was like, ooh, I kept my fingers, you know, crossed. And he gets in front of everybody and he says, we have explosion in Italy. And I thought, man, what type of explosion? <laughs> and he says, Italy is dead spiritually. They are Catholics, but they have no religion. Nobody goes to church. Churches are empty. Only people that come to visit, tourists, they go to churches. Churches are empty. It's like a museum. People go visit and live. And you see only an old lady starting a, ca a candle, a light, and that's it. People don't go to church. People don't like the Pope. People don't like religion. They are just secular. Italy is dead. Church is dying. We go in minus every year. Minus 3, minus 3.4. The church is dying. We are dead. And they said, instantly a miracle happened in Milan. Okay. He said, the Milan church had 16 members and now has 350. From 16 to 350 is quite a jump in a secular society. And he says, we went there to see what happened. That church exploded. That church is in fire. There were 16 elderly all dying like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and right now, it's, it's, it's a beehive. <laughs> and he says, we went there and asked them. And they said, that lady. And they pointed to a like 76 years old lady. And I went to him, tell me the story. She says, well, in 2003, I went to Spain to visit my kids. And he told the story. And I listened to a prayer seminar that Pavel preached there. And it got to my heart, and I realized that I am so self-centered. And, so, and she said, I recorded the whole seminar, went back home to Milan, and typed it 
in a 44-page brochure, the whole seminar. And I read it again and again, and every time I read it, I got deeper and deeper, and I realized that I have to apply every word. And I started to leave it, and I started to pray for my church. That was hopeless, but I understood that if I surrender and pray, God needs one that fully surrenders. God can do through one what he can do through a million. Because it doesn't depend on numbers or on you. It's not about you. Oh, I'm not trained. Who cares? God used a donkey, God can use you. Oh, I never went to Andrews. Andrews is good, but God used two demoniacs. See, he can use you, certainly. And she said, the more I was listening, the more I understood that God needs one, and he can save a whole country. And we should not have small goals. When we pray small, we offend God. God is big. We should have big goals. We should not pray for a soul. We should pray for the whole country. I love those prayers. God loves those prayers. God used one man, Moses, to save a whole nation. Pray big prayers. Uh, like, like Wesley, God, give me the country or I die. Take my life if you want, but give me the country. And she said, I started to pray not only for our church, but for the country. And I didn't let it go. I said, God, I am small, but you are big. And I know you told me to pray big. I'm not going to let you go. And I dedicated my life to pray for our church and for our city and for the country. And she said, I prayed for about three months. And my life started to change. And I thought God doesn't answer. And I read again your prayer seminar. And you say that God does answer prayers. But when he doesn't answer, it's because we are not ready. And he has to prepare us. Because if he told us, first prayer we prayed, what to do? Build an ark. We'll say, that's crazy. You need to pray enough until you are ready to just say, yes, sir. If he says build an ark, you don't say, oh, why it doesn't rain? Oh, I don't have the money. Oh, I don't have time. You don't argue when God says, you do. And she said, I understood that I need to pray until I am ready to do whatever he says. So I kept praying, and God kept changing me. And as he was changing me, people started to notice. And two older ladies from the church, I mean, she was old. I wonder how old they were. You know. <laughs> two, two older ladies came to me and said, Honey, something happened to you. You know? It's, you are not the same. You were always arguing with us, and now you are so kind. He said, Well, I've been praying. We all pray. No, you don't. <laughs> she says, Now I understand more about prayer, and they had no clue. Like disciples watching Jesus, they thought they know how to pray. And they watched him, how he would talk to the Father. And they said, Teach us how to pray. You follow me? And they said, oh, how do you pray that? We pray different. And she started to tell them a few words from the prayer seminar. And she gave them the brochure. And they started to pray with her. And they prayed one day a week together at the church at 5.30 a.m. for one hour. And every morning at home, everybody for one hour. And another two, three ladies joined them and another two, three men. Eventually, the whole church, 16 people, joined prayer. And they prayed one day a week together. And then they prayed three days a week. And then they prayed five days a week together at the church between 5.30 and 6.30 a.m. You think that's easy? That takes commitment. And people don't do it because people are not committed. People are committed to job, school, but not to prayer. And she says, we prayed for three months and nothing happened. And I re I, we read it again. And he says there, don't look for results. Look for relationship. So we said, you know, we will keep praying regardless. That's what God wants. Prayer is not an event. Prayer is a lifestyle. 
answer to prayer is not an event, it's a process. When you started to pray, I started to work, said Angel Gabriel to Daniel. But now, three weeks later, I come and give the answer. Because answer to prayer, it's a process. God has to work with people. You are not ready, people are not ready. If you stop praying, oh, I didn't receive an answer. God cannot continue to work. You need to keep praying so God could keep working. Do you follow me? And she said, we kept praying. But as we kept praying, we stopped looking for results. Don't pray for a blessing. Don't pray for results. Don't pray for a feeling. Don't pray. Pray, period, as a lifestyle. If you pray for results or for blessings or for answers and they don't come, you get depressed. And stop praying for results. And then you don't, you don't get depressed. Oh, I didn't get an answer. Don't look for answers. Look for Jesus. And so... She said, we just kept praying, and the more we prayed, the more we sensed God's presence in our families and in our church. That's what we need. And she said, you know what? A few months later, a neighbor came at 5.30 a.m. He says, folks, what's wrong with you? You kept coming one day a week, Saturday at 11, and now you come every day at 5.30. What do you do here at 5.30? And she said, we pray. What do you pray for? We pray for God's presence. And we pray for the city. And we pray for the neighborhood. He said, well, I don't believe in prayer, but I guess I can use some. <laughs> and he says, my wife was diagnosed with terminal cancer in the fourth stage, metastasis, and she has probably a few months to live. She was sent home. Pray for her. Pray for comfort. And the lady said to Paolo Benini from the division, we did pray for her, but we had no faith. It didn't cross our mind that she would be healed. We prayed, but honestly, we had no faith. We just said, Lord, please be with her. Give her comfort. And we thought she would die anyway, but hey, we pray. <laughs> That's what we do. We pray, but doubt, you know. And she says, isn't it amazing that God answers even the sinner's prayers when they don't deserve it? I said in my mind when Paolo Benigni said that, are you crazy? We never deserve it. God always answers based on grace. We, he answers even when we don't deserve it. We never deserve it. And then, Paolo Benigni said, next week the neighbor came back and said, my wife just went to the doctor for the next check. And the doctor said, by the way, you are cancer free. What have you done? And she says, nothing. And she came home jubilant, jumping floating, flying. <laughs> and she says, either they are wrong or a miracle happened. I am cancer free. And her husband said, I don't get it. What have you taken? She says, nothing. He said, well, I cannot connect it except those crazy people that pray every morning. <laughs> Let's go back to them. He went to them and said, listen, my wife is cancer free. They were like, really? <laughs> and they started, praise the Lord. And they started to pray. And the guy started to cry. And he says, this is the single church that I believe in. And they said, you don't even know what we believe in. He said, well, I don't care. <laughs> All I know is that you have God's presence, and that's what, I'm, what I need. People don't look for doctrines. People look for God. If you don't have God's presence, anything else would not convince them. Doctrines are good. But they work when you have the God of the doctrines along. 
You need to have the doctrines with the God of the doctrines. You cannot have God without the doctrines. It's his word. And you cannot have the doctrines without the God of the word. You need to have both. And you need to seek God, because if you seek doctrines, you'll never fully leave them. You leave the letter of the law without the love and the spirit of the law. You need to have the God of the doctrines. When he comes, they come naturally. Do you follow me? And so the neighbor said, I want to be part of this church. This is the single church that is real because you have God. And we keep Saturday. I don't care what day you keep. <laughs> he told his best friend, next neighbor, that guy came, pray for me. My kids left home. They never came back. They started to pray. After about three months, kids came home. Next neighbor, next neighbor. The whole neighborhood, four blocks came, and there was a line, and they were praying for everybody in the neighborhood. That's the church that we should have. If your church closes, does the neighborhood care or even knows? We should be a house of prayer where the power is present. And the people come there because they know that we have God, and we care, and we pray for them. The whole neighborhood was there, and they were praying. What a church. They were praying for everybody all the time. And Paolo Benigni says, I saw them in the church. Everybody was hugging and praying with everybody. There was nobody that was not prayed for. And he said, 350 people got baptized. And another church learned, and they do it. Six other churches now in Italy do the same, and they are growing. And I said to myself, in 2003, I was discouraged that God didn't answer my pity prayer. And in 2017, I understand that God did answer bigger than I thought to pray for. Stop looking for answers. Just keep praying and keep serving. That's not your business. Just let God do what he does. And you do what he called you to do. I remember another guy from Flint, Michigan. Have you heard the story? No? Good. <laughs> he, he told me, I don't know. I don't know, how, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray for others. I don't know what to do for others. I, I said, pray for it. How? I said, make yourself available in the morning. Instead of spending so much time praying for self and being miserable, after you present your needs, give it to God, and then move on and spend time praying for others. The more you pray for others, the more peace you have for your needs. I said, pray for others. He, he said, what should I say? God be with the others? I said, that's baloney. <laughs> oh, God be with the poor. Be with the, uh, may the gospel be preached the whole. The gospel doesn't preach itself. You got to preach it. God told you to preach it. <laughs> Don't say, may the gospel be preached. Say, Lord, make me a sermon today. I made myself available. Here I am. Use me. Open my eyes to see people in need. Open my ears to hear your voice. Inspire me. I made myself available. Use me today and help me forget self and focus on others. Don't pray that prayer because if you pray, God is going to answer it. <laughs> and so he said, okay. And what happens next? I said, just keep praying that prayer. And what if God doesn't talk? God will talk. He doesn't talk when you want him to talk. He talks when there is a need. He doesn't talk the way we talk, like politicians. Talk a lot and say nothing. Talk a lot and say nothing, you know. He talks when there is a need. When he talks, you better listen. So I said, keep listening. Keep praying and listening. He called me like two months later and he says, 
I did that. And eventually, after about a month, God started to talk. And I would sense the voice inspiring me, kind of an impression, saying this and that. And every time I listen, God blesses. And every time I don't listen, things go wrong. I said, that's it. That's the beginning. Keep doing it. And he says, God talks to me through the study. God talks to me through what happens. I said, that's it. Keep doing it. A month later, he calls me again. Miracles started to happen. I said, give me one. He said, okay, one that happened. Let, let me give you one. I said, okay, I'm listening. He says, I'm driving on Interstate 94. It was a whole week of snowing day and night. Michigan. Snow. Michigan, snow. You know, they go together. It snows like nine months a year, you know. <laughs> summer comes in a Thursday. <laughs> if you leave Wednesday and come Friday, you miss summer, you know. <laughs> and so he, he says, it was snowing. I'm driving on the interstate. It's all white around, the whole field. And as I'm driving my SUV, I keep praying, Lord, make me useful. Make me a blessing. Not bless me. Make me a blessing. Open my eyes. If there is somebody that I need to serve today, here I am. Please, open my eyes. Help me serve. Help me be like Jesus. And he says, as I am praying, I hear a voice in my head saying, look to the right. And he said, I turn my head, and I said to my wife, honey, there is a bump white on the field. She says, yeah, honey, the field is bumping and is white because it's snowing. <laughs> the whole field is bumpy and it's white. He says, no, 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 there was a specific bump, unusual bump. He says, I prayed and God told me. She said, yeah, 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 yeah. He went to the no U-turn. He turned around. <laughs> he went to the previous exit, turned around. Drove again slow. Sure enough, he saw the bump. He stopped on the shoulder, put the hazard lights. He walked there way far in the field. And there was a gentleman, old man, gray hair, white robe, in snow, snowed over, covered. He took the man, and he saw that here he had something that said his name and then Alzheimer's. The guy was in a nursing home. He left to go home. He forgot how to get home. And he froze. He took him to the closest hospital. And the doctor said, a couple of minutes late would have been too late. You just saved his life. And the doctor called the daughter of the man. The daughter came and says, the doctor told me that he was in a field covered with snow. Yeah? How did you see him? Oh, long story. If I tell you, you will not believe. Just tell me. Oh, you think I am crazy. He said, I hear voices in my head. <laughs> New agers hear voices and they are proud. Shouldn't we hear God's voice? He who has ears to hear. My sheep hear my your ears would hear behind you the voice. It's all over the Bible. But we never listen. We are too busy. And he says, uh, if I tell you, you think I'm crazy. She says, just tell me how you did it. Well, I prayed every morning. This is how I pray. That God would open my eyes to be a blessing for others. She says, who does that in our society? Everybody is so busy with self. Nobody cares about anybody. Who are you guys? He says, well, we are Adventists. 
And what happened? So God told me, look to the right. So I looked and I saw him. God talks to you? That's only in the Bible, folks. That's not real. He said, well, it's real. She says, I want to join your church. But we worship Saturday. I don't care if you worship Tuesday. <laughs> he said, but we don't eat pork. Do you eat chicken? <laughs> well, some of us. Okay. And he says, Pastor, would you believe she's coming to church with the whole family? And I ask her why. And she says, because you have God's presence real. Do you see what works? Do you see how things happen? What if everybody in our churches would live that type of life? What would happen to our families? What would happen to our churches? What would happen to our neighborhoods, to our cities? Jesus should have come long ago, but we are asleep because we are sleeping spiritually and self-centered practically. Do you follow me? What would happen if we all dedicated our life to relationship with God and people and to service in total surrender, sacrificing life without worrying about self, forgetting self at any price, and trusting that God who told you to do that and promised that he will provide, trusting that he is able and he keeps his word and he will provide. What would happen? What a light, what an example when Christ's character would, would be fully reproduced in his children. You remember the quotation? Then Jesus will come. Why is Jesus not coming yet? That's what we need. I'm not saying that you should not go to church. You should. But unless we do this, nothing will ever change. And God will come. And he will finish his work. But we will be outside. Oh, I'm an Adventist. Yeah, the five virgins were Adventists. And they were virgins. They were dressed in white. They kept the Sabbath. They had the light, you know, the word. They, they had everything. They returned tithe and ate broccoli. And still didn't save them because they had no relationship and no Holy Spirit and no service. You know why the light was for? It was the tradition in that time, if you read, that young boys and girls, because streets had no names and streets were like chaotic, when they had a wedding, the wedding happened in the night. It started late after sunset, and it lasted several days. People that came from a different city would get lost. So they had the young people have lights and stay on the streets and show the light the way, light the way to the wedding hall. God called you to show the way. God didn't call you to just go to church and be good and be saved. That's selfishness. God called you to show the way, to care, to passionately, desperately pray for people. Anyway, our time is up and I'm hungry. <laughs> and I'm tired. I just came, as I told you in the beginning, from Dubai. Folks, 
Let's have prayer together, but this is how we pray. You pray privately, quiet, for two minutes, and ask that this is not another sermon, listeners, but this is something that will become doers. Don't look for a change. Change is not an event. Change, sanctification, it's a process. It takes a life to grow to the fullness of stature of Christ. Children don't grow, zip, uh-uh. It takes time. Don't be concerned with your change. Be concerned with relationship and service. Let God deal with change because he is the one changing you. If you monitor your change, you'll get discouraged because you'll never see the growth because children, you don't see children growing. Don't look to, have I changed? No, you have not. Look to Christ. He works in the way that you don't understand anyway, so stop trying to understand. Just keep praying. Let change result, let that up to him. He will finish what he started. He is able, he cares. He didn't die for you for nothing. Don't look for change. Just start. Start praying and keep doing it regardless. If you live or die, who cares? Just keep doing it. Five years down the road, you'll look back and you'll say, God has been working. You'll not say today about today. But do you follow me? You don't see the wind working. But nevertheless, the wind works. Okay, so that's how the Holy Spirit works. So, listen, let's have two minutes that we pray that God would help us starting today, not tomorrow, will help us to be doers and live what we heard. And then I'll have a closing prayer. Father in heaven, what a privilege to be able to talk with you, to come before the God of the universe, our Father and Creator and Savior, and open our hearts. Thank you so much for calling us. Thank you so much for being patient and working with us. Thank you for the privilege of service work with Jesus and the angels, that's amazing. Father, we want you more than life. Please put in us a thirst for you, a hunger for you that is greater than anything else in our lives. And help us know you, focus on you, love you, and allow you to work. Help us trust you fully and rejoice in you. 
Use us, Father. We pray in Jesus' precious name and we believe that you are already answering. You have been waiting and you are answering this prayer. You are working on it. We trust in you. We acknowledge you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.